You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. going on guys welcome to another week of peer pleasure with dewey hopeless i am your host dewey the host with the most bringing you great content every week right here on adobe radio saturdays at 6 p.m eastern and also on itunes every week we've got a special guest this week we've got mr dangerous darren pfeiffer another host from adobe radio with me on the station and the drummer for the band goldfinger and also the drummer for some 41 uh filling in from here to there um, as needed, but uh, like to throw that credit in there for him as well. So Darren, uh, being in Goldfinger was a huge inspiration on me growing up. Um, that Goldfinger was a, a you know an amazing band to us. They came after Green Day as far as discovery for us as a band. So we had already known how to play our instruments. Green Day kind of inspired us to learn how to play the instruments. Uh, but once we already knew how to play, we discovered Goldfinger and changed a lot of things for us on how we approach songwriting. And, uh, I mean, I remember blasting that first Goldfinger record every single day on the way home from high school with my buddy Joe, who also produces this show, uh, Joe Simon, in his uh, Chevelle. We used to blast that CD all the way home, uh, dropping friends off. You know, we had, you know, probably 10 CDs that we really cycled through, but that one was literally every day after school. And, uh, you know, that record really hit us hard, and and, uh, it was just a blast. So... And Darren has a show on Adobe as well, um, the Dangerous Darren Show. Uh, and he says in the interview, you know, he's working for a lot of different stations. He does a show for the L.A. Kings. Um, he's doing production stuff. Uh, he's doing session work. He's just a jack of all trades, but he's really good at all of them. And that's what's really cool about Darren. And, uh, you know, I reached out to Mike Carrera, uh, who's also a peer of mine at Adobe. And I was like, hey, you know, I saw you had Darren on. Uh, can you, you know, hook us up? And Herrera said, sure, man, that guy's a beast. He'll uh, definitely come on. So I emailed him, and uh, a few weeks later, uh, we set it up and and knocked it out. So uh, really appreciative to Darren for coming on. Um, we do talk a lot about Goldfinger, and I know there's some animosity there um, as he recently left Goldfinger officially. Um, you know, a lot of things are said on here, and, and he's, he's uh, you know, makes it known that it's his opinion on, on certain people, and, and uh, just want to make that known out there, too, that... Darren's very honest, and he gave credit where credit's due, um, and voiced his opinion, and and I was really pleased to 
um, hear his take on things. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of that stuff on there. And, and uh, we talk a little bit about vegetarianism and PETA. Um, just all around a cool episode. Darren's a great dude, and I and, uh, really enjoyed chatting with him. So um, I want to make sure to put in there that we are at peerpleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Um, and we do have an Amazon affiliate link up on the website. So if you purchase anything through our link uh, at Amazon, we get 4% of the proceeds. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. It, it takes no time at all. And all you need to do is bookmark that link. And you buy anything from laundry detergent to a digital camera, um, that money comes back to us, that 4%, and really helps us keep the lights on um, and, and keep the show going. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to Joe, our, our new producer on the show. Uh, he's been editing and mixing and, and all that. And another shout out to my cousin, Alan, who's gone through and, and helped with some audio issues as well. Uh, really stepped up and helped us out over here at Pure Pleasure uh, for you guys. So um, we also uh, have a donate button on the website. If you want to donate to the show, uh, you can go to purepleasurepodcast.com, click on that button and donate a dollar, donate $50, whatever you want to do. Uh, to keep the show up and running. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. And as always, keep your emails coming at purepleasurepod at gmail.com. Uh, questions, comments, guest ideas, anything you want to say, just shoot it over to us. We love getting that feedback. So once again, Darren Pfeiffer, Dangerous Darren Pfeiffer is my guest today. Without further ado, let's chat with Darren from Goldfinger. I was in a grind metal band called Ripping Hammer. Hey, Darren, what's up, man? Hey, brother. How are you? Good, good, I'm good. Right on, dude. And Sorry, my voice is a little fucked up. I just got over the stomach flu. My whole family had it this weekend, so <clears throat> being a little... Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> no fun up here, but um, anyway. All good, all good. Cool, man. Well, Darren, I, I appreciate you coming on the show, dude. I I, uh, I wanted to, to start out... Um, talking about uh of course uh radio of course uh i want to get into eventually um, but i wanted to talk a little bit about goldfinger and where goldfinger's at right now um and and kind of how how that all came to be um you know getting into music into goldfinger um and kind of your journey that way like from the very beginning yeah like how you well how you got into music and then how you how you came to be in goldfinger and and kind of where that's at now well, I moved to Buffalo uh, from Buffalo to LA '91, and I middled around here for a little bit with some of the Weezer guys and going to shows. And back then, you didn't have social media, right? So when you when you wanted to meet somebody, or you had to write your, their name down and their phone number, and yet you, you actually wanted to call them on the telephone. It was like a much different world than it was it is uh, than it is now. So you know, I, I was in LA and I was in a few bands and, and meeting a few people, and then I, I finally met John Feldman, and he was coming out of a a failed band called the Electric Love Hogs, and he was looking to start something a little more aggressive, a little more punky. And uh, it wasn't called Goldfinger, it was just a demo and uh, from some songs, and I heard it, and I was blown away. And he's like, he's like, oh, I got, I got a bass player, and I'm looking for a drummer. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I jammed with him, and he, and he basically, he basically begged me to, to join the band. 
him and the bass player Simon, our original guy, was like, you have to join our band. Now, I, I was looking for something right along this line, something with some, some speed and aggression and something that was fast, something loud, and you know, but also had some pop sensibility. So I, um, I, I joined us. I said, yeah, I, this is what I want to do. And I, we recorded more songs, and then we finally called ourselves Goldfinger. And it wasn't very long before we found a record deal with Universal Mojo. And next thing you know, we're on the road for... <laughs> 10 months out of the year and we had a record and we had a single and a video and then another video and another video and then another tour. And it was just, it, was, it happened really quick. It was pretty whirlwind how, how quickly it all kind of went down. And, um, back then it was, it wasn't that hard to get a record deal. Now it's impossible, uh, or next to impossible with, with so many bands and so many people creating music and, uh, and labels not having the budgets they used to have back in the nineties. So we were really lucky. We came along at a time when it was it was easy to get a record deal and it was easy to, to, to go on tour and, and make videos and have success with sales and, and whatnot. And but at the same time we, we were also a band that, that wasn't around in the in the social media era. So it's a dual edged sword. We didn't have that um, tool at our at our disposal which most bands have now. Um, so it happened really quick and here where we are now is it's a it's a tough thing to explain because everybody has left the band uh, uh, except John Feldman. Uh, he's the singer, songwriter, he's the main guy, front man, whatever. But everybody in the band has abandoned him uh, for uh, along the way at various times along the timeline of Goldfinger for various reasons uh, that I won't get into. But I was the last one to hold down the fort uh, with John. And even though he was, uh, you know, in my opinion, very difficult to work with, very difficult to be around, very difficult person, very difficult personality. I, 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 I it was only two shows a year or three shows a year. So I, I thought to myself, I can deal with this for three shows. I can be around that guy for, for three shows. And, and it was fun. I didn't get paid a ton of money, but it was just something I'd been doing for 23 years. And I thought I might as well just stick it out. But recently something happened. Again, I'm not going to go into great detail, but something happened where I was like, that's it. I just... I can't, I'm in a good place in my life and I just don't want to be around negativity and I don't want to be around someone who's got, in my, again, in my opinion, uh, my humble opinion, someone who has some, some serious issues. I mean, an incredibly talented songwriter, an incredibly talented producer. Mm -hmm. uh, that I'll never take away from, from him, but um, personality deflect, defects, uh, in, in my opinion, are, are uh, or just too, I can't I can't I can't take it any longer. Now, will it will some time go by and Charlie come back like he has three or four times, or will I come back like I have three or four times, maybe? But for the time being, it's just John Feldman and a bunch of dudes, you know, okay. that are just playing the music. And that must be where I saw I I think I saw on YouTube recently. Um, I think Herrera had mentioned to me that. He was doing some shows with John, and I think it was Travis Barker on drums. Um, just like, a, I think it was a benefit for Travis's kids' school or something. Um, yeah, there was a show that then they got up there and played a couple Goldfinger songs for fun. Um, whether or not Travis plays in Goldfinger, I don't know. I'm, I but frankly, I don't care. Sure. Uh, it's always it's always something that's going to be part of my life. I was in the band for a long time. I was there through the whole ride, uh, through the ups and downs, good and the bad. 
but again, um, people people uh, need to understand that being in a band is fun. The shows are fun, and when you're on stage, it's fun. But there's 23 other hours in the day when you're when when you or, or when you're on tour or when you're in a band. It, the, the hour you're on stage or on a half you're on stage goes by so quick. You got to deal with personalities. I mean, John had to deal with Charlie, and Charlie had to deal with Kelly, and Charlie had to deal with me. We all have to deal with John. So it is a lot of work. It's a fun job, but it's but it's a real job. And it got too much for me to take. And uh, I, I could have uh, let cooler heads prevailed and just let it simmer like it always has, and then got through it and gone forward. But it would have happened again, and it would have happened again and again and again. And I just I just couldn't take it any longer. I said I, I pulled the shoot. I decided to to get out of the agreement, get out of the contract. I hired a lawyer and I got out of it and I'm free and in the clear contractually of the band. Uh, as far as publishing and record sales and mechanical royalties, those those are in perpetuity for, for life. That's oh. never going to go away. But as far as me having any kind of contractual obligation to Goldfinger, um, that's that's done. I know it to be out. Which, is, uh, which, was, which really protects me because Goldfinger got sued all the time. There was um, countless times we played shows and for whatever reason... Uh, uh, we would get sued. Some somebody would throw something in the audience. Somebody would throw a guitar in the audience. Someone would have a, a hissy fit and and go bananas, or and someone would get hurt, and um, we'd get sued all the time. Really? And I don't want to be if, I, if I'm not playing in a band for however long or forever. I don't want to get a call from my lawyer going, "Oh, you're being sued." Or I'm not be like, "Oh, I wasn't even there." Well, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. I'm still being sued. So uh, yeah, uh, right now. At least for the foreseeable future, I'm not going to be playing drums and golf there. Uh, will it change? I can't. I can't predict the future. Maybe. Maybe I'll, I'll calm down. Calm down. Charlie will calm down. Everybody will, will come. Uh, cooler has will prevail. Everyone will mellow out. But in, in, for the foreseeable future, it's just John and a bunch of other uh, guys. Okay. And I mean, you guys. I mean, for us, we, we, you and I met briefly a long time ago. Um, we did a benefit show. I don't even remember what it was for. It was for some animal rights thing in California, and it was you guys and My Chemical Romance before they were the biggest band in the world, and Stun and uh, The Used, and it was some random in some random park. Um, and it was a huge show, and we got thrown on it. We were in a band called Anatomy of a Ghost, and we got thrown on it, and we're like, holy shit, we're playing with Goldfinger. That's crazy. Um, and I, I met you briefly, and it was real brief, and then ran to John, and uh, I had mentioned who I was playing with, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I know you guys. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, I got the record. And, uh, and I was like, well, why didn't you call? <laughs> and he's like, you guys seem like you had your shit together. And I was like, man, we totally did not have our shit together <laughs> as far as recording goes and the label we were on and everything else. And, and uh but it was it was cool to to you know share the stage with you guys because you know Green Day was a big band for us as far as learning how to play our instruments and getting inspired to play. But we got into Goldfinger after we knew how to play, and so it inspired us in a whole different way. Um, so definitely thanks for that. And and you know I know you had fun along the way, and I and I understand from touring. I mean, like you say, there's just you know one hour sometimes just one hour of fun out of the day. And the rest of the time you're sitting in a van or a bus just driving mindlessly, you know, playing games or reading books or wandering cities. And, and uh, you know, the experience is cool, but there's definitely, if you have problems, they, they magnify big time. 
Yeah, I, I admire bands like the Deftones, uh, for example. They all get along. I mean, I know all those guys well, and they and they've they've had their problems, but but for the most part, they all get along. They all like I've been in Deftones dressing rooms several times. I know Gino and Abe really well and stuff, and they're all laughing and giggling and having fun and hanging out with each other. And I remember the last couple times I've been in their dressing room, I remember them sitting at, in, in, at a table playing cards and smoking cigarettes or laughing at each other and carrying on. I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is what it's like. This is what it's like to be in a band with people you like. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's funny because I, 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 you know, for a long time, me and Charlie were always at odds. We always were getting into, into fights, sometimes physical. Um, really? Me and, Kelly got along, me and Kelly got along for the most part throughout the whole, the whole thing. Uh, uh, Charlie and, and Kelly uh, were uh, uh, Charlie and uh, uh, John were at each other's uh, throats uh, all the time. They 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 just did not see eye to eye. And uh, so yeah, you're right. Being a band, it's it's difficult. It's it's a it's a chore. It's a challenge, and you gotta because you gotta like um, juggle um, personalities. This guy's this way. This guy's that way. That's why management is their weight in gold if they can um, speak everyone's language. And luckily, our manager was able to do that. Our manager was able to speak Darren Pfeifferese and John Feldmanese <laughs> and, you know, Charlie Paulsonese and was able to um, uh, to uh, speak speak the languages of all of us. And, uh, yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun while it lasted. And uh, I, I forget sometimes I'm so busy doing other things with radio, with iHeartMedia, with uh, Adobe. Uh, we, we, I'm doing so. I'm, I'm playing drum sections uh, all the time. Drum sections with people. I'm constantly doing shit um, that I forget about Goldfinger. And then sometimes people will come up to me when I'm at iHeartMedia, and they'll be like, "Hey, you're the you were the drummer of Goldfinger, or you're the drummer of Goldfinger." And I'll go, "Yeah." And I go, "Yeah." And I'll, it'll hit me just for a second, and I'll go, "Yeah, that's right. I, I was. I totally forgot about that." <laughs> and then people will go, oh, "I was such a big fan of your band. Or I saw you play here, and you were." this and you were that and it, it takes me back and it's nice but uh, it, it's important to for, for me to stay busy doing a million things like I'm, I'm promoting clubs in, in town for, for, for specialty nights and like I said doing session work the Adobe radio thing has been a lot of fun and now I'm working at iHeartMedia working for four different stations so it's um, radio has always been a big part of my life and always will yeah, that's insane. So you, so and Adobe, I'm familiar with my shows on there as well. And just recently, like I think this is the, this will be like the seventh or eighth episode that's aired on Adobe. And we're the thing we have going with them through Jabberjaw Media is it's kind of like a, it's not a deal with Adobe necessarily. They just air our show. Um, I think you probably have a different deal. I know Herrera does as well. Um, had a deal with Adobe before Jabberjaw, but you know, you're doing that. And then you're for iHeart, are you producing or are you doing your own show for them? Um, I'm doing a couple of them. I'm producing a show for all my uh, shows or jocks for all 98, uh, recording them and getting their audio edited and board hopping it and timing it all out. So that's something I can kind of, I can do all that stuff for my sleep. I want to get on air. It's just the program directors give me, you know, has given me a hard time. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I'm persistent, and I don't stop until I get what I want. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get on air at all. I work for a couple of AM stations, and one of them is AM five seventy. I do a uh, a blog on their website called Kings Corner, where I cover the Los Angeles Kings pre and post game. 
Okay. Uh, reports. I go to the go to the game and I I uh, report about the games and what happened. But I report from a from a homer perspective. I I talk about I'm a, I'm a Kings fan. I don't, I'm not in the middle like like most sports writers are. I'm like, oh, I'm a Kings fan. I'm writing it from a Kings point of view, mm-hmm. and I'm also writing it from a very strong pop culture point of view. I'm making references to movies. I'm making references to bands. I'm keeping it light and funny. I'm putting hashtags in the middle of my sentences. Like I'm just trying to. Uh, separate myself from the other sports writers. And that's something I love doing. And it's building a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. And um, so producing, board hopping, uh, audio engineering, blogging, writing, uh, I eventually want to get on air at all. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Okay, perfect. And and so your Adobe show, The Dangerous Darren Show, um, I've been listening to that. I, I didn't even, uh, I hadn't heard of Adobe before we started talking to him. And I got on there and I was like, holy shit, Darren's got a show. Okay. I was checking that out, and I, I wanted to talk about I listened to one of the episodes, uh, one of the more recent episodes. Um, you did an interview with uh, Ingrid Newkirk from PETA, and uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't, and I, I find it kind of boring talking about people's diets, but I do find it fascinating why people, you know, uh, change their lives in certain ways. And so are you, from that interview I gauged, you're, you're a vegetarian, um, it has a weakness for chicken, <laughs> I guess is what I got out of yeah, it. Yeah, vegetarian, we, I, I go through phases. It's, it, it comes and goes. Like, well, I'll, I'll do the same thing with beer. Like, right now, I'm, I'm off beer. Mm-hmm. I'm not drinking beer at all. I'll drink wine. I'll have, I'll have a whiskey drink, but I just stay away from beer for several months on end. Like, sometimes a long time, and I'll be like, I haven't had a beer in, like, four or five months. I'll have a beer. Uh, I just want to be able to have exercise that control. But with, with chicken, it's the same thing. I'll... Because I'm from Buffalo, New York, and chicken wings are a staple. Oh, fuck I mean, yeah. they were born there. It's the birthplace of the chicken wings. So, the anchor bar. Uh, it, it's a anchor bar. That's right. It's a weakness of mine. So, yeah. um, it's hard for me to when I when I go to a bar and they're like, "Oh, our chicken wings are world renowned." I'm like, "Oh, gotta have them." Yep. You know, I'm usually disappointed most of the time. But uh, uh, and on a sidebar, you know, the best place in Los Angeles I've had chicken wings is a place called Barney's Beanery. Interesting. It's, it's and there's a few locations. There's one in Burbank. There's one in Santa Monica. There's one in West Hollywood where I live. Uh, and they're just they're, they're so freaking good, man. They're, and I know my wings. And yeah. you get them hot, and they come hot. They, uh, anyway, if you're in LA and you're looking for a chicken wing experience, go to Barney's Beanery on Santa Monica and La Cienega, and you'll have great chicken wings. So, so anyway, back to Peter. Yeah, and I told Ingrid, I'm like, I have phases, and I I, I have compassion for animals, but at the same time, I, I have this weakness, and I'm, I'm trying to conquer. And she's laughed. And, and she got a kick out of it, but uh, I definitely, I definitely informed her that a certain somebody uh, who waved the flag as hard as anybody I've ever seen wave a flag is no longer vegan or vegetarian, for that matter. Wow. I'm not going to say the person's name, but I even wrote a song about it and put it on online called "Fake Vegan." The wow. person is still like going to, you know, under the false flag of being a vegan, but I've seen this person eat meat right in front of me recently. Wow. Um, at a rehearsal when pizzas were there and I was having the veggie pizza with, with onions and, and tomatoes and peppers on it. And he was having pizza with sausage right in front of my eyes. I couldn't believe it. And I looked at him and I go, what the F? And yeah. he goes, nah, whatever. <laughs> but the, God so, damn. I'm not going to say his name. Sure. But, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a, a sight to behold for sure. Yeah. I was going to ask how much influence I know, uh, when uh, Open Your Eyes came out, it was a big thing with the push for PETA, and I wasn't sure how much influence, um, you know, John's John's uh, outspoken, um, 
animal rights, um, you know, stuff influenced the rest of the band or was the rest of the band all vegetarian or, or did that, was that kind of his deal? And then, um, went from there. It's funny you mentioned that because when I first met John, Mm -hmm. uh, I was newly vegetarian. Uh, if you listen to the story in that Ingrid, um, interview, I mentioned how, uh, an acid trip led to me becoming a vegetarian. Yep. Uh, how someone got a uh, PETA video on public access television in Buffalo at six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And I was watching TV at that time and I watched it and I, it blew my, I was still kind of coming down from the residual effects of acid and I was blown away by it. And since, and from that day forward, I'm like, no more red meat. And that was 1990. And here I am now. I haven't had any red meat since 1990 or pork or, or turkey or any of that, anything, bacon, none of that stuff. And when I first met John, and we were starting to write songs, and he was into skateboarding, and I was into punk rock, and we, we had a lot of common interests. He would be—he was in love with In-N-Out Burger. He, he's like, before and after rehearsals, he had to stop at In-N-Out Burger to get a burger. He's like, they're the best burgers ever. And I'm like, I don't eat red meat. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I just don't eat red meat. I'm kind of I'm vegetarian. At that point, I was full veggie. I wasn't vegan at all. Yeah. I've never been vegan. But, but I was veg. I wasn't eating meat because it kind of grossed me out. And I was like, I'm just not eating meat. Gross. And he's like, oh, it's so good. And he would scarf his face full of, full of uh, hamburgers. And then uh, right around that time when uh, we were making our 54 Open Your Eyes came out, he became full in, in, engulfed into the PETA animal rights vegan phase. And and quite frankly, to be honest, it really bummed the rest of us out because we we didn't stand for anything. We stood for writing good music, having it, putting on a killer live show, you know, being super cool, laid back, down to earth guys. And here's John, you know, singing songs about being an animal rights vegan guy, having a peanut table at the sta- uh, at the shows and promoting it from the stage. And we're all like, you know, that's your thing. It's not ours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and that's when he started to enforce some of his will on us. Like, I'm I'm I'm, I'm the singer. I'm the stuntman. I'm. The, it went from it went from being four guys sharing ideas to John Feldman's idea. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's when Charlie. That's when Charlie. Right before Open Eyes came out, that's when Charlie quit. Charlie's like, I'm I'm out. I can't deal with with him anymore. Yeah, the first time. And then, and then when uh, the first the first time, yeah, that was I was real. I begged him not to leave. I said, please don't, please don't leave. And he's like, I can't deal with the guys. You see how you know how it's the direction that's going, and then I I don't want any I don't want any part of it. And the same thing with Simon. Simon got Simon Williams, our first bass player. Uh, he didn't. Uh, get kicked out he, he quit because uh john gave him an ultimatum uh basically stop drinking beers before shows and stop listening to radiohead and oasis or are you gonna are you, you gotta leave the band wow I, i'm not making this shit up like this is true and simon decided no i could i could stop drinking beer before show and stop listening to the music that john hates or i could st- stay true to my my form and not be told what to do so he chose to left and when he left, I begged him not to leave, and and um, yeah, it's uh, it's just about. I digress. Uh, animal rights to me, it's, it's not. It's really important. It's important to have compassion for animals. It's important to to, to even, if, even if you eat meat and you eat fish and you're a full-on meat eater guy or girl, but as long as you uh, look to animals in, in a compassionate way. Yeah, um, it's one thing to buck. It's one thing to buck dietary trends you've had all your whole life. That's a very difficult thing for some people. Some people, it's impossible. Um, but but compassion for animals is something that's really easy to to, to have, and you sh- everyone should have that component in their in their life. Sure, sure, and that's a good point. I mean, and have you have you looked into? Um, there's a 
Uh, I'm not sure if you've read it. There's a book called The Mindful Carnivore. It's um, it's by a guy named Tovar Cerulli. Uh, he was on Rogan's show. Um, he was a vegan, like lifelong vegan that turned subsistence hunter um, and basically was one was looking at the the correlation between how even if you eat just a strict vegan diet a lot of times um you know there's deer or things that are damaging the fields where they'll call someone in to have that animal exterminated and how you know anything he touched that wasn't his own somehow had ties to you know either harming creatures or or not being true to what he thought and so he basically said, I'm going to grow my own food. And if I'm going to have meat, I'm going to go out and get it myself. Um, so I know, you know, where it came from and, and all this It's kind of an interesting take on it. And, and, uh, I wasn't sure if you'd looked into anything like that. Um, you know, being involved with PETA or, or, uh, you know, a take on that kind of, of lifestyle. No, I didn't, but now I want to check it out. You piqued my interest and maybe I'll go try to find it and, and read it, read up on it. It sounds like an interesting read. It, yeah, and, and just yeah, I would just check out Rogan's uh, podcast with him. His name's Tovar Cerulli. It's uh, real interesting um, his journey um, to that. But yeah, it was just, it was just a little thing I had written down that I I was curious on. But um, I wanted to talk about. I mean, you're you're doing so many things right now. Um, you're involved with some merch companies, right? What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equalvision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Pure Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. 
you and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, Synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. As well. Are you still doing that? They, I still work at a merch company out of Canada called Kill the Eight. Mm -hmm. and a merch company out of LA called Merch Wise. Okay. And what are you doing with them? Are you are you are you actually working with like consulting? Are you actually, you know, operating things? What are you doing? 
No, it's it's more consultant and business business management. Uh, I have a lot of relationships with different management companies around LA and the world, and I'll reach out to them every once in a while and go, "Hey, who have you signed recently? Uh, any of them need merch?" And some come back to me and go, "You know what? We're all good. I got a relationship with this company, and it's been going on for 20 years, and it's been really good." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Other ones get back to me with, "Thank God, you emailed me. We didn't know what we were going to do. We were waiting, you know, for someone to." You know, it's all about timing, right? So a lot of times bands will go, hey, I, I know you're doing merch for 311 and Pennywise and Snoop Dogg, and, and it looks pretty good. What what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. So business will come to me. So uh, it's something I've been doing in Goldfinger for the, the forever. Yeah, I mean, I, I was like, well, I, I can only, I play drums, and I, I wanted to be involved in management, and they are like, no, we got it covered. You know, like, we're good managers. I'm like, okay, well, I go, well, I want to do the merch. I'm going to order the merch. I'm going to be in charge of uh, staying on top of styles and cuts and colors and fabrics and and uh, dealing with the merch companies. And they're like, yeah. And the manager like, well, that's one last thing you got to worry about. You just tell us what you want, how much you want, and uh, hire the merch girl. Make sure that it's all good and copacetic. And because I knew it was a revenue stream then, uh, as it is now, uh, for, that we were going to rely on. You know, coming home from a tour. You had your guarantees, and you you had your uh, you had your merch. So you, so if the merch was sharp and done just right, you can actually walk away with some pretty good coin. Now look at bands like Real Big Fish. Their merch is beautiful. It's just gorgeous when you walk walk to their merch table. So mm-hmm. uh, I wanted I wanted our merch to kind of have that kind of vibe. And so uh, working uh, with Merch Wide and working with Kill the Eight was a natural transition. I mean I got I'm half Canadian, so I got clients in Canada that I deal with. And then down here in LA, I got I got so many different people, bands, managers, you know, that that need merch. So I take care of them, make sure they they that their merch presence online and uh, on tour is sharp. Okay, and that's something. I mean, that's and, and bands are going to rely on that so hard now with without you know records selling anymore. Uh, touring and merch are going to be the you know the end and all. That's just the way it's yeah, going to go. It's I more think. important now than it than it ever is. More yeah. important now than it was when we toured all the time it's 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 a huge thing so you got to make sure you got a uh, good styles you know that aren't cheap and you want to find a shirt that's good you want to find printing that's good and you want to maximize your uh your margins and you want to do it just right you don't want to order a design dude sometimes bands will call me and go here's the design we got and we want it on a, i want one on a red shirt one on a, on, a, on a purple shirt and one on a green shirt and i'm like are you sure they're like yeah yeah why why what's up i'm like green purple and and, and, and red they're not going to sell well, the artist has their heart set on green, purple, and I'm like, then you need to tell me as a manager, this is not going to sell. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what do you suggest? I go, if it's a new band, a black shirt and a white t-shirt, or just two black t-shirts with two different designs, you know? And uh, as the, as it grows and your band grows, like Real Big Fish and Goldfinger, as things got bigger and bigger and bigger, and you, you're playing to bigger audiences, then you can throw in a red shirt or a green shirt or a yellow shirt. Because you know you you have your black and your whites and your hoodies and your KUTs that are going to sell, then you can experiment a little bit. But if you're a new band no one's ever heard of and you have a red shirt, good luck. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's not going to work. So I, it, it, it's not just what do you want. Here's an order. Uh, congratulations. Uh, call me when you need more. It's advice. Man, because I have twenty plus years of, of merch advice in in my brain. Sure, we had a we had a merch guy, well tour manager, merch guy that on Warp Tour. We had a pink shirt, and we just printed pink shirts because, you know, John, our, our singer, wanted to do it. He did all the artwork, and they weren't selling very well. And, and uh, our merch guy would literally spend all day belittling uh, dudes walking around with their girlfriends saying, hey, 
buy this pink shirt. Are you afraid she's going to think you're a pussy? And just get like, just berate them until they bought a shirt. And a lot of times they buy a record too, but he had, he managed to sell them all, which was <laughs> pretty fantastic, but it took the work, you know? Whatever it, it takes. Exactly. And so with that, I'm curious with your, with your merch company stuff, is there any item you've done that is sold either surprisingly well or like something you did as maybe a joke or something you found that was really, you know, super popular other than like a shirt, like, um, uh, I guess ISIS, one of my favorite bands I went and saw, they actually made custom headphone holder or, uh, earplug holders that would go on your keychain with their logo on it. And they sold like hotcakes and uh, cause they're loud as fuck. But, um, anything like that or anything you kind of stumbled across that was actually like a, you know, a killer deal. Yeah, we did boxing gloves once for this artist in Canada whose name escapes me. His last name was Moore. I don't remember what his first name was, but he was this like retired semi semi professional boxer, and he was a singer songwriter, played on guitar or whatever. And uh, he was known as being this like really up and coming boxer that had a lot of wins, and then he got into music. And so we made boxing gloves. He wanted boxing gloves, and I was like, "Are you sure they're going to sell? Because this is a specialty item, and it's." It's going to cost you a little bit. And he's like, trust me, you know, whenever I go play a show anywhere in Canada, people are like, you got boxing gloves? That's like your own line of boxing gloves? And surprisingly, we, we did a run, a small run, and they sold, and he called me and said, we need more boxing gloves. That's I'm like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> so we, we find the boxing, like, cheap little boxing, you know, almost like kid boxing gloves, and we put the logo on it, and then they would sell, like, hotcakes. I, I, I always tell people, like, people ask me, what's the what? If you do weird items, I'm like, well, we've done boxing gloves, <laughs> we've done umbrellas, we've done bobble hats, we've done glassware, jewelry, um, you name it. So whenever someone asks me, you know, what's some of the what's some of the weirder things you've done? I'm like, name it. That's badass. Is there a Darren Pfeiffer bobblehead floating around? <laughs> no, I should make one. That'd be funny. The dangerous Darren bobblehead. There you go. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for that. Uh, I'll give you a cut of the sale. Awesome. <laughs> That'd be rad. Um, so, so you spent some time in Canada. You lived in Canada for a while, right? You you actually became a citizen. I was married to a Canadian girl for ten years. Lived in Toronto for ten years and uh, became a dual citizen. Yeah, so I have that uh, going for me. Nice. <laughs> and so I'm out there for the rest of my life. I'll never have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, so, and so you and you've been playing with some forty one recently too, right? That that's something I wanted to talk about. How you got into that? Yeah, I got a call uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, two years ago, saying, hey, you want to fill in for a drummer? They got a drummer named Frank Sumo, who's a good dude and a really great drummer. And they're like, yeah, do you want to fill in some shows? Because you can't do them. So I've, been, I've known Sun 41 for years, uh, Canadian guys. We toured, Goldfinger toured all over the world with Sun 41. So the music's second nature to me. So they gave me a set list. He had learned these songs. I learned them, got on stage, and we played Bogota, we played, uh, well, we played, we played someplace else, uh, Quebec, Minnesota. We, we played some shows, and it was it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Excellent. And so, and, and you're, so you're filling in here and there uh, when they need it, kind of like, you know, the set, you've got everything down, just kind of show up and, and do it, or, or is that over by at this point? No, I was told uh, from Frank and from management that uh, more dates are coming because Frank's schedule, Frank plays with Cruella, he plays with uh, um, Street Drum Corps, he's got a bunch of other things on the go as well. So he goes, you just never know when the conflicts are going to happen where I'm going to need you to come in and sit, sit in on it. So 
Okay. And they're my friends. They asked me to, to fill in. I could do it tonight if they asked me. The set hasn't changed since since I last I played with them, so I could probably I could jump in and just do it. Sure. At a moment's notice. Okay. I know I, I saw some, some big interview on, uh, I think it was Studio Q or something with Derek talking about, I didn't have any idea. He went into the hospital for so long and almost died, and I, I thought Sum 41 just had broken up. But uh turns out there's a lot more to it than that. Oh, yeah, he came pretty close. He was um, a perilous situation. He came really, really, really close. Uh, I remember when I was jamming with him at his house on some solo stuff and, and some 41 stuff as well. After we the band would leave, uh, he'd say, hey, come to my kitchen, let's have some drinks. And we would drink, and I would have one in a Corona, and for every Corona I'd have, he would have several vodka drinks uh-huh. and we talk about punk rock and music and girls and you know world history and all with all number of topics but yeah he he liked to he liked to have a good time he liked to indulge and it went a little too far yeah. and luckily he, he got out he luckily he got out of it and survived and wrote a new record 13 voices which is out right now it's doing well and they're on a world tour they're in europe right now they're in paris tonight or last night because it's hours ahead but uh-huh. uh, anyway yeah, they're doing they're doing great, and if they call me, I'd be honored to jump in and play some more shows. Excellent. Okay. And uh, so, and, and jumping around a little bit here, um, I wanted to talk about um, you were so you were in before before like Goldfinger and stuff like that. You were in a uh, a metal band. Was that correct? You were in like you, I was reading. <laughs> I was reading on Wik. I always try to find some random fact on Wikipedia that's probably fake or maybe true. Um, but it said it was called Beyond Death. It was called Beyond Death. And then this was like 87, 80, 86, 87, 88 in that realm. And we broke up and the band reformed as Cannibal Corpse. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's where I was tying it into is is so Goldfinger. And, and wasn't John's other band uh, a metal band or like a heavier band that uh electric love hogs yeah they were like um they were almost they were almost like a like a chili peppers um meets infectious grooves uh a lot of funk uh-huh. some metal a, a lot of slappy bass with Tyler Lemieux was in that band uh-huh uh and he's a phenomenal bass player like ridiculously good and um so it was like funk rock and then, uh, according to John, got a lot of shit actually because when Electric Love Oz broke up and then reformed, uh, John restarted uh, the Goldfinger stuff. He got a lot of shit because like the Goldfinger stuff wasn't um, anything like Electric Love Hogs. And he was like, "Well, everyone accused John of of, of, of ditching the funk funk rock uh, vibe and going into the punk punk ska vibe." Uh-huh. Because it was it was popular. Dookie was just released, and you know, and and this was before even before Blink or Blink had just started, I guess. But anyway, um, he said he took a lot of heat, and uh, I I'll defend him uh, uh, when when John needs defending, and this is when John needs defending. John was always into that this music. John, John was his early influences were Dead Kennedys and and you know the Clash and and the, the, the punk shit. Like he loved he loved the bad bad religion. He loved old old school punk rock. And then when um, you know he got into the funk stuff, and it was cool, and it was, everyone was into it. He never got into glam, so. But and then when when he wanted to start his own band, he uh, was writing demos that eventually became Goldfinger songs, and he would present them to the Electric Love Logs, and they were like, "This is too punk. It's too fast. 
it's too, it's too, what are you like? This is punk. We're not punk. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, it's fucking, it's a good song. Let's, let's, let's learn it and play it. And no, 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 no. And then eventually the band broke up and officially broke up and then reformed. And then John had all these songs kicking around. And when I heard them, I was like, again, I was floored. I was like, this is fucking awesome. Sure. Like, this isn't good. It's great. And, um, it's funny. It's a, it, I don't know how much time more time you got, but I, when I first met John, I didn't like him. And he didn't, he didn't like me. And we didn't, and cause I worked at Starbucks and he would come in and, and, uh, he, he asked me if I play drums. Like, Oh yeah, I play drums. Like, well, what do you, what do you think of Dave Grohl? This is like, this is 92, 93. Like Nirvana are the hottest thing in the world. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, but I, I said, Dad, Nirvana's great. Yeah, I love Nirvana. They're awesome. Dave Grohl's a great, uh, good drummer. He's like, he's Dave Grohl's a fucking fantastic drummer best drummer in the world right now i go well take it easy okay uh he's not the best drummer in the world right now he's the best rock drummer in the world right now i go no probably not he's like oh well, are you better than dave Grohl?" and i go technically chop wise yes i'm better than dave Grohl." and he got all mad at me and we had a screaming match he's like you probably suck and i go fuck you and he, oh, this is at starbucks right and he goes fuck you i go fuck you and he, he left he came he, so every time John would come in the restaurant uh, or go to Starbucks, he'd dinner in and I go, John. So he, he had another conversation with me one day. He goes, Hey, what do you think of metal? You like metal? And of course he didn't know my background. And uh-huh. I go, I go, yeah, I love metal. Big time. He goes, what do you think of Pantera? Again, Pantera, big band at yeah. the time. And I go, I love Pantera. He goes, do you like Vinny Paul? And I go, Vinny Paul's a fucking awesome drummer. Like a great, great drummer. And he goes, let me guess. You can play all that super fast metal double bass stuff too, can't you? And I go, as a matter of fact, I can. He's like, he threw his hands up in the air. He goes, Darren Pfeiffer, best drummer in the world. <laughs> and I looked at him and I'm smiling. I'm like, you're such an asshole. And he's like, he's like, fuck you. And I'm like, oh my God. God damn it. <laughs> and the demo that I got my hands on wasn't even given to me. It was given to my guy I work with, this guy Pete, who's like a super duper, like Grateful Dead hippie fish guy, right? Uh-huh. And he goes, hey, man, that's, you're, you're, that guy John came in and gave me this demo, and uh, it's not my speed. It's probably more yours. So I, I, I listened to it, and again, I'm blown away, and I got John's number, and I called him up, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. Uh, I mean, I'll be in my death, and I'll never forget this phone call. I call him up, and I go, hey, John, it's Darren Pfeiffer, and he goes, what do you want? <laughs> That's that's how he responded to me. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> and then I said, well, I got your demo from Pete. And he goes, oh, yeah? And I go, yeah, it's it's absolutely, unbelievably amazing. And like a light switch, he turned into the sweetest, nicest guy in the world, and we became friends, best friends, overnight. He's like, oh, my God, dude, that's amazing. We should jam. We should jam tomorrow. Let's jam, like, right now. <laughs> and I learned the five or six songs and showed up to the rehearsal. And like I said, him and Simon were begging me. Uh-huh. we've been trying our drummers and nobody can play this you can play this you have to be in this band and I'm like do you think I'm a good drummer now he's like yes you are be in this band and, like, and that started our uh, our friendship and and uh, here we are it's come full circle yeah exactly it started that way and went all the way around that's amazing it did all those were all those five songs on that first record they were on that demo or what was on it uh, only a day was on it Miles Away was on it. I think Anxiety was on it. Another song called I Believe that never made our, any of our records. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't until after I joined what was just three, uh, John and Simon where we quick, John quickly wrote Here in the Bedroom right after that. Okay. 
Man, you that, brought me the song. He's like, I, I wrote a song about a girl. You want to hear it? I'm like, yeah, play it for me. I'm like, that's awesome. Let's record it. <laughs> Sounds great. He's like, can you play the ska shit? And this would be this like the first time we incorporated ska into into anything that we were doing at the time. And uh-huh. I was like, I looked at him. I go, yes, I can play ska. And he's like, how do you know I play all these styles? And I go, I was big time into metal. I'm big time into punk. I'm big time into reggae. And I'm and I love the special. So I love and then the boss tones. And I love I love uh, madness. And I, I I like ska. And the police, like without without the band Police and Stuart Copeland's drumming, I wouldn't know how to play into that ska shit. But because the police were huge when I was growing up, and I would love and worship the ground that Stuart Copeland walked on, I could play could play it. That's fantastic. That's what I recommend anybody wanting to play an instrument. Don't just don't just learn one style. Don't just learn punk or, or pop or rock or reggae. Learn it all. Sure. And you. So you've been. I mean, you've you've hammered out these chops for a long time, and you probably practiced quite a bit as a kid. I mean, did you take to drums pretty quickly? I mean, did it? Not to say it came simply to you or anything like that, but I mean, you put in the work, but. But did you did you have a, a, a predisposition you think for drums? Yeah, I did. I did. I mean, I, I tried other things like guitar. Uh, it wasn't until later in my life that I learned how to play guitar. But I tried. My sister had a flute. I tried playing flute. I tried <laughs> trombone. Uh, I tried piano. Uh, and it wasn't until I got a snare drum that I really the family the family got a snare drum. Everyone uh-huh. beat on it for a couple seconds, but I was like learning the different nuances of playing different parts of the drum head, side stick stuff, you know, rim shots versus you know, angled hits. I was really into the drum. And then, and then my uh, teacher in school gave me a, a book about syncopated drumming and some of the early simpler uh, rudiments, like single strokes, double strokes, um, paradiddles, double paradiddles, slams. And I learned all those. And then, and then I was just begging my mom for a drum kit. And I did odd jobs like mow lawns and shovel snow until I got enough money and, my mom matched the money that I had. I bought a really crappy drum set, and from there, you couldn't tear me away from that kit. I would play it from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to, uh, to bed. Um, and and then that's when that's when my love for the bass came in because I I would stop playing drums around seven. And my family was like enough, and and then I'd be like well, I wanted to keep playing, so I bought a I bought a really crappy bass, and I could play that quietly and then wouldn't bother anybody. Mm-hmm. And those two instruments go really well together, of course. In, uh, exactly. Bass is my second instrument. Guitar would be a, a very close third. And piano uh, is my, my last instrument. I don't play piano very well at all, but I, I'm learning every day. So sure. it's just so much easier to, when you're sitting on a couch watching TV or doing some work on, a, uh, on your couch on a computer and you pick up a, a Les Paul and just start fingering around with it. It's just so it's so easy. To, whereas a piano takes time. you got to sit down at it. And drums take, you got to sit down at it. It's noisy. Uh, but guitar and bass are so easy just to grab and just play and mm-hmm. not bother a soul. Absolutely. I yeah. love that about it. Yeah. And that's it. And so you've been doing some session work as well. You were saying, um, around town, do you just have producers that call you up or. You producers around town and sometimes it pays, sometimes it doesn't, but I know these guys so well. They're like, Hey, you want to play a couple songs? It's not much money. It's like you know, 500 bucks. Or sometimes I get a call. Hey, Darren, it's a commercial for a hospital. It's pay, it pays $2,500. You want to do it? It's really quick. And I'm like, wow, amazing. So I'll show up, play drums for literally 10 minutes. Now do one or two takes and then get a check for $2,500 in the mail. Uh, sometimes uh, I'll do it for free because my buddy needs uh, a certain sound or a certain feel and he's my buddy, so I'll do it. And I know he'll throw me bones when, when he has it. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And most of these studios have drums set up. So I did, actually, all of them really. So I show up with a, 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 literally a set of sticks, sit down and nail it and then leave. And I, I just love it. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's great. That's when awesome. I have time, of course, sometimes I'll get a call. Hey, can you do it? I'm like, I can't. I'm at work. I can't do it. I do it tomorrow. The guy's like, I don't need it today. And then I go, well, how much is it? He's like, oh, that's like 50 bucks. I'm like, oh, no. It's all yours. Give it to another guy. <laughs> well, man. I, mean, I would have done it if I was free because uh, you're my friend. And, hey, 50 bucks is better than the kick of the teeth. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm at work. But I wish I could help you. Sure. So, so anyway, my, I just stay busy. You got to stay busy. I, I'm a shark. I got to. I got to keep moving or I'm going to die. I got to keep swimming. Well, that's a good way to be. I mean, you're going to have quite a portfolio and a lot of experiences to talk about. And I mean, it definitely helps with the radio show. I'm sure having these stories, I'm sure there's all sorts of hilarious shit that happens or, or, you know, crazy stuff that happens, you know, and, and, uh, you know, with all these different experiences that you've, you've been through and are continuing to go through. Um, you know, I always find entertaining, um, and, you know, finding something in common, you know, especially with other touring musicians and, and things like that. And now with radio, which is totally new to me, um, and the podcast thing, which, you know, this is, this one will be, I think episode 23. So still fairly new at it. Um, but definitely, definitely find those experiences, you know, entertaining. I was going to throw in there, uh, we were talking about the chicken wings, but I don't know how often you make it up to Portland anymore. Um, but there is a place called, uh, fire on the mountain which i was told someone from the anchor bar moved over to the west coast and started fire on the mountain i'm not positive on that but um you know kind of does things the same way um pretty fucking fantastic wings i will tell you uh, well i'll have to give a shot when i'm up there next yeah because it's uh i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome and i've been to the anchor bar we we did a lot of touring over in buffalo and um it was i we would always we would save up money. We would be on three dollars a day budget. Um, when we first started, it was absolutely ridiculous, and we would save up our money for you know two weeks to either go to the Anchor Bar in Buffalo or spend it on pizza in New York. And uh, that was the early early days, but we would always hit that place up, and it was unreal. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things you got to do when you're in Buffalo. You got to go to the Anchor Bar. It's just it's one of those things. Absolutely. Well, Darren, thanks a lot for coming on the show, man. I really had a good time talking with you. And, uh, you know, you had a huge influence musically on me, and I, I just want to say thank you for that. Um, you know, your contribution um, to music has been huge, and, and uh, really appreciate that, man. That's very kind to say. I do appreciate it. Uh, and thanks for having me on the show. And if you want to do it again down the road, you know how to get a hold of me. Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot, Darren. Have a good day, bud. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that was my conversation with Dangerous Darren Pfeiffer from Goldfinger, Adobe Radio, and Some 41. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this chat as much as I did. Uh, I was glad Darren was able to work it out and uh, spend some time with us and uh, really give us some insight into the inner workings of Goldfinger, um, some behind-the-scenes stuff with Some 41, and his uh, radio career and his merch company career. I mean, the guy is just doing everything. And I love his attitude that he sees something he wants and he doesn't stop till he gets it. Um, I'm very happy to have Darren on this week. As always, we are on purepleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, definitely check out our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, check out our donate button on the website as well. Uh, if you feel generous to uh, donate to the show, keep the lights on. And we're going to have a lot more content coming to you. Next week is a huge episode. 
keep your ears peeled for that and we'll reveal that soon um, but we are on Jabberjaw Media and Adobe Radio every week Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and then also on iTunes once the show airs on Adobe so just remember that the first hour is aired on Adobe and anything extra will be on the full version on iTunes that evening so definitely check that out subscribe rate the show go to the uh, iTunes tab and rate the show five stars if you like it just be honest in your rating we love to see that and always you can email us at beerpleasurepod at gmail.com thanks again and we'll see you on the radio for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.